0: Is AT&T a buy now? We're performing a T stock analysis using the Select Six analysis. We'll look at the most telling financial metrics before estimating not one, but two fair estimates for AT&T. Then you'll want to stay till the end when we give our rating. Along the way, there's going to be a key bonus metric that just might be the tipping point when analyzing AT&T stock for your portfolio. Before we get into these valuable metrics, how has AT&T performed? Right now, AT&T trades for $14.73 per share. They've had a rough year so far. Their stock price is down 21.5%, while the S&P 500 is up 12%. Right now, AT&T pays a huge 7.54% dividend yield. That's way above the average dividend yield. Returns haven't been as bad for shareholders. Since 2020, the company's performance has looked a lot different from the market. In April of 2022, they completed their spinoff of WarnerMedia, which merged with Discovery in a $43 billion deal. In the last decade, AT&T's stock price is down 59% overall. Keep in mind that's including their spinoff but it's not including their dividend yield. Going back before the global financial crisis, in the last 18 and a half years, AT&T stock price is down 38%. They've declined at 2.5% annually, really diverging from the rest of the market in the past decade. But the burning question is, why should we be paying close attention to AT&T? Right now, AT&T trades just a dollar above its 52-week low. They're down $8 from their 52-week high. 1.5% of their shares are sold short. And how big is AT&T? They're a huge company. They have a $103 billion market cap. They also use a ton of debt in their business. They have the second most net debt of any US-listed company with an enterprise value of $278.5 billion. The wireless business contributes about two-thirds of AT&T's revenues following the spin-off of WarnerMedia. The firm is the third-largest U.S. wireless carrier behind T-Mobile and Verizon, connecting 70 million postpaid and 18 million prepaid phone customers. Fixed-line enterprise services, which account for about 18% of revenue, include internet access, private networking, security, voice, and wholesale network capacity. Residential fixed-line services, around 11% of revenue primarily consist of broadband internet access service. AT&T also has a sizable presence in Mexico, serving 22 million customers, but this business only accounts for about 3% of revenue. The firm still holds a 70% equity stake in satellite TV provider DirecTV, but does not consolidate this business in its financial statements. Now let's dive deep into their numbers. Metric number one, we want their average return on capital in the last five years to be above 14%. A typical business earns a 7% return on capital. By looking for a benchmark that's double this, we can build in margin of safety based on the quality of their business. AT&T has earned stable returns on capital in the mid to high single digits. They hit a low of 6% in 2020. Since then, they've been increasing this. With their Warner Media spinout, they've actually increased their return on capital to 9% in their last fiscal year. When we average out their returns, AT&T earns 7.3% returns on capital in a given year. That's just about average. Keep in mind, because of the company's high amount of fixed assets, they're using a ton of leverage in their business, which boosts their return on equity, yet they still just have an average return on capital. While not necessarily a bad thing, this isn't what we're looking for. It's an X on metric number one. Metric number two, we're looking for growth. We want to see growth in their revenues, net incomes, and free cash flows. This metric's all or nothing. All three need to be up for it to be a check. We'll also include their numbers up until today. Their numbers are going to be affected recently by their Warner Media spinoff. In this time, their revenues have declined from more than $170 billion in 2018 to just over $120 billion today. Their earnings were positive in their past. They're negative today on the back of a $24 billion impairment that came with their Warner Media spinoff. The company also has had increased tax expenses in recent years. While they have negative earnings, AT&T actually has positive free cash flows. They took a big hit to their free cash flows in their last fiscal year. Today, that's not as bad, but it's still down 18% from their $22 billion of free cash flow in 2018. These three are down across the board for AT&T. It's an X on metric number two. Metric number three, we want earnings per share growth. This looks at AT&T on the view of an individual shareholder from a per-share basis. We learn their earnings or their net incomes are negative today. At the same time, even with their spinoff, AT&T has diluted existing shareholders by 5%. With more shares out and negative earnings, their earnings per share have declined. It's another X on metric number 3. Does AT&T have what it takes to pick themselves up and perform better in the second half of our analysis? What we'll find may surprise you. Metric number four, we want to see something similar. We're looking for free cash flow per share growth. AT&T's free cash flows have declined over this time. They're not as bad today as they were in 2022. However, the company's also issued additional shares. This means their free cash flows per share, while positive, have declined over this time. It's another X on metric number four. Before we look at the company's debt loads and then take a closer look at their valuations, how about we check in on our bonus? Right now, AT&T pays a huge 7.54% dividend yield, but is it sustainable? That's what we're trying to figure out in our bonus. We ideally want AT&T to support their dividends using their free cash flows. AT&T landed a major blow to longtime dividend income investors. They cut their dividend last year. Even with this dividend cut, they still have a market-beating dividend yield and likely better for long-term shareholders in the business. Their dividends are supported by their free cash flows. That was the case last year when they cut these. It's also the case today. While it might not fit with every investor's goal in AT&T, it seems to be a better business decision overall, as the company has more flexibility for the use of their free cash flow. It's a good sign AT&T supports their dividends even if they had to right size these. It's our first check of the day on their bonus. In recessions, it's businesses with too much debt that can fail and have the biggest losses. Metric number five, we want their net debt, which is their total debt minus their cash and their short-term investments, to be below the sum of their free cash flows in their last five fiscal years. Because of AT&T's spinoff of WarnerMedia, this is going to be slightly different for the business compared to some other companies we've looked at. We'll be looking at them more on a current basis here. AT&T has some of the highest debt loads of any company. They have the second highest net debt total of any US-listed business, only coming in behind their peer, Verizon. Today, AT&T has $159 billion of net debt. Surprisingly, they've cut this in the past couple of years. They spend a lot every single year servicing their debt. They've also managed to pay some of this down through their dividend cuts. AT&T publicly announced that their past acquisitions of DirecTV and WarnerMedia together saddled the business with more than $200 billion in debt. That's an insane amount. In this time, AT&T produced $118.5 billion of free cash flow. Today, they produced $18.2 billion of free cash flow in their last 12 months. Either way we're looking at it, it doesn't look like AT&T's free cash flows fully support their debt loads. This could potentially cause issues for the company unless they're able to increase their free cash flows and potentially be more aggressive about some of their debt paydown. You'd have to dig into their filings to see exactly how their debt loads are structured. If their debt needs to be refinanced, it could come at a much higher cost to the business. That could potentially cause some headaches. This is an X on metric number 5. The big metric of them all, metric number 6, we want at ts free cash flow to enterprise value yield to give us a yield that's above 5%. If this is the case, this gives a slight risk premium to the yield of the 10-year treasury. It's the first of two different ways we're using their free cash flows to estimate a fair value for AT&T. Right now, they have a $278.5 billion enterprise value. This combines their net debt position and their market cap. It looks at AT&T similar to it being a private business. Because of their Warner spin spinoff, today's numbers are going to be the most accurate for the business. They produced $18.2 billion of free cash flow in their last 12 months. When we divide that by their enterprise value, it gives us a 6.5% current free cash flow to enterprise value yield, a percentage point and a half above the 5% mark we were looking for. On an average basis, even though they don't have Warner Media's free cash flow production, AT&T produced $23.7 billion of free cash flow a year in their last 5 fiscal years. If we divide that by their enterprise value, it gives us an 8.5% average free cash flow to enterprise value yield. These are both above the risk premium we're looking for. They're up above the 10-year treasury as well. Coming in on metric number six, this is a surprising check for AT&T. Don't just run out and go buy the business. You need to see our next fair value estimate and stay for our final rating. Everything we've discussed so far is important, but there's something missing that in my opinion is the main reason to analyze AT&T. This brings us on to using a discounted cash flow model to estimate their fair value per share. A DCF model is based on the predictability of a company's free cash flows. Like any model in any discipline, its outputs are sensitive to its inputs. We'll start with an average of at ts free cash flows in their last few fiscal years. Keep in mind this isn't exactly representative for the company because of their spin-off. Free cash flows can be lumpy year to year, so it does smooth things out just a bit. It's up to you to figure out if these assumptions will be accurate or not for AT&T. If we assume they grow their average free cash flows by 1.5% annually in the next 10 years, then in the following decade, we'll assume that these stay flat. We'll also add in the company's tangible book value. This estimates their net worth. Keep in mind, AT&T has a ton of debt. They have a lot of fixed assets. There's also been a lot of mergers and acquisitions in the business. This can affect the accounting for this tangible book value. It's something you'd want to dig deeper into. If we want a 15% rate of return, which beats the market, and it's what Warren Buffett looks for from his investments. At today's valuation multiples, it looks like an estimate of AT&T's fair value per share is around $7. Their current stock price would be cut in half, Keep some key points in mind. This fair value is based off a significant market-beating return. AT&T is a blue-chip stock. Its size and level of coverage may make it harder for a significant mispricing in the business. The discount rate also includes their huge 7.54% dividend yield. Their stock would not increase by this full 15%. The telecommunications industry is a tough business. They have a lot of fixed assets and they have a high replacement cost. Plus, for the most part, they only earn average returns on capital. There are also key business areas where they compete with traditional ISPs, where their legacy infrastructure runs into real limitations, sometimes even based on the laws of physics, as it competes with new advancements in fiber and wireless. Most importantly, this analysis is not financial advice. It's not a buy or sell recommendation of any security. Consult with your financial advisor before making any investment decision. Now, how about that rating? So is AT&T a possible buy now? We've learned through analyzing T-Stock that the company checks out on one of our six metrics. Also check the box on our bonus, where today they support a huge 7.54% dividend yield. ATT's ts had a history of acquisitions that really saddled the business with debt. They've tried to break free from some of those debt loads recently by spinning off Warner Media and reducing their dividends to be able to support paying down more debt. Still, the company has a huge amount of debt that's not supported by today's free cash flows. They've also issued shares and their business overall has decreased in size. AT&T has increased their returns on capital, but these look to be just about on average when we take into account the last couple of years. Our biggest bright spot for the business came when we looked at their free cash flow to enterprise value yields. Even with their debt and their declining business, the company may look attractive compared to the 10-year treasury. When we performed our discounted cash flow analysis, at today's valuations, if you believe those assumptions and you want that market-beating 15% rate of return like Warren Buffett, an estimate for AT&T's intrinsic value is around $7 a share. That would be below where AT&T's traded in the last couple of decades, making it half of today's stock price. Keep the points in mind about why a significant mispricing may be more difficult in this business. Still, when we look at all the factors for AT&T, they look like an interesting candidate for more research. If you enjoyed this AT&T stock analysis, like the video and subscribe to the channel for more.